Well, it's good to be with you again today. We rejoice in this uh, resurrection life that we live. Amen? I am excited to be back in 2 Corinthians. We've been doing this study before Lent, and uh, we went to uh, Lenten themes during that season. But uh, we're back in 2 Corinthians, and I'm excited to be there. I hope you are as well. I hope you have your Bibles with you, because uh, we'll want to look at some Scripture today as we're going through this. Uh, just to remind you a little bit where we've been, you know, just uh, as we're going through Second uh, Corinthians, you know that uh, Paul has been talking about his ministry. He's been talking about what he does and why he does what he does and talking about what this gospel message is that he proclaims. And, uh, and he's going through this process and he's just, he's just gotten done in the chapter 3 uh, where we left off last time. He's just gotten done proclaiming to everybody what, what this gospel message is and he's describing uh, the impact of this message, and he's telling people that this message is liberty, it's freedom in the spirit, it's life and light, it's newness, it's, it's this marvelous thing that comes in belief in Jesus Christ, and that is the message that he proclaims. And, and so taking that uh, into chapter 4, we get, begin this uh, study today on the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians, and, and it's kind of an interesting chapter because... Paul repeats two phrases at the beginning of the chapter and then very near the end of the chapter, which I think are kind of interesting. And Paul says, therefore, he's just been describing all this glorious gospel. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. And and, and then he goes on later in the chapter and, and he says the same thing over again after he's talked to them about all this stuff that's going on. He says again, therefore, we do not lose heart. You know, I got to thinking about that as I read through there, and I said, why would he need to say, we will not lose heart twice? Why would he need to say it once? But why would he need to say it twice? I think it's because there's lots of reasons to be discouraged. (laughs) There's lots of stuff going on in this world. And in fact, Paul's uh, declaration here not to lose heart echoes Much of what Scripture says, Job tells us in Job chapter 14, verse 1, it says, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And I'm not even talking about the music man. You know, you know, T, it says, okay, never mind. Long story. Psalm, Psalm 90, 10, verse 10 says this, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Thank goodness for that. We've got more of you out here than that. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. What a depressing phrase. I don't know. But there must be something to it. Because Jesus says in John 16:33, "In this world you will have tribulation." It would be really nice if if in this uh whole process, and I guess there are some who proclaim this. I'm not one of them, so if you want that, you'll need to go somewhere else. But um, who would proclaim you that, boy, you have Jesus come into your life and you have no more troubles, right? No more sorrow, no more difficulties. You've, you've got the victory and, and there is nothing that's ever going to come before you and all that kind of stuff. I just don't see it in Scripture is my problem with that. It just seems like over and over again, there are issues. 
And Paul certainly is having issues right here, and chapter 4 is going to talk about some of those. You know, Paul, he began, this, his relationship with the Corinthians is one of those relationships that kind of a, kind of a, I'm, I want to be here and I need to be here and you need me and I'm glad to proclaim something to you and, and I hope to bring a good word to you. But, but it seemed like all along the way he's having trouble with them. You remember all the way back to First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, you know what their issues were? Division in the church. Division in the church. And he said, he said to them, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you. And then a couple of verses later, he says, oh, but oh, I did. I did that this person. But I think that's the only one, unless I'm forgetful. Because they were saying, well, I'm of Apollos and I'm of Paul and I'm of somebody else and I'm of this person. And and and, and we're doing baptisms today and we're going to have a whole bunch of your pastoral staff baptizing today. But you know what? You're not getting baptized in any one of our names. You're getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But Paul was having to deal with the Corinthians and this stuff. And he's going through. And you'll remember back at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, we were talking about the issues he was having. He had told them, I'm going to come back and visit you. And then he wasn't able to come. You'll remember that series. And, 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 and they were upset. Like, well, you told us something and, and then you, you didn't follow through. You remember the other passage of Scripture, Paul is talking to the Corinthians again. And, and you know what? They don't like the way he preaches. Have you ever heard that one? I have. <clears throat> I don't like the way you preach. You know, you write your letters and you're really strong in your letters and then you come here in person and, and you're just a flop. What's the deal with that? Who are you? Paul had some reasons to write, I will not lose heart. We will not lose heart. He has a message and a proclamation. And, and it's interesting that he starts this, he starts out with this phrase, I, we will not lose heart. heart. Oops, sorry, that came out bad. We will not lose heart. And he ends up saying, we will not lose heart. And in the middle of this chapter, he has this wonderful declaration where he says, he, be, he just swells up and he just says, it's all about Jesus. That's why we're not going to lose heart. It's because it's all about Jesus. And we live, we live in this intersection of God's sufficiency and our troubles, our trials, our tribulations, our difficulties. We live in the intersection of where the power of God arrives with all the stuff that we face. And because of that, we will not lose heart. We will not lose heart because we live in this moment with God and His power. Well, that's good. That's just a little introduction. Because I want you to have this idea as we read through this. I want you to, I'm going to read the entire chapter, but I want you to, I want you to have this idea about what's starting out with this Paul saying, we will not lose heart. And, and remember all the stuff that he's kind of had to deal with, and he's going to, he's going to deal with it again, right, in this first few verses. Think about all that stuff that he's had to deal with, and then see how he swells up to this great climax of, of it is all about God's sufficiency. It's all about Jesus. 
And then see how he works his way through that. You know what? Because it's all about Jesus, we're thinking this way. We're acting this way. We're making these kinds of choices. And he gets all the way back down to the end. And he says it again. We will not lose heart. Anybody here discouraged? Anybody need to hear the word? We will not lose heart. If you need that, you got to listen to all this. It's going to be good. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one says this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful things. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Now, you have to understand, when he's saying we do not, uh, we, we renounce the secret things, we do not, uh, rena- we renounce the secret and shameful things, we do not use deception, we do not distort. Guess what? He just didn't make that up, folks. People are telling him. That's the that's going around. People are saying those things. He's not saying that by accident. He's saying that intentional. We do not start the word. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, we plainly, excuse me, by setting forth the truth, we plainly commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ who is the image of God, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus Christ. Hear this again. He is making this great declaration. It is not about me. It is about Jesus Christ. And we lift him high for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You have to understand, you hear all these illusions of, you see this, the, the veil of the Moses and the Shekinah glory shining on him, and it's all shining out from him. And he's saying, this light we have in us because God has placed it in us to shine out. And it's what we have, it's what you have, it's what he does. And it is this wonderful, glorious thing that God has done, not about us, but about him. And then he says this really interesting words. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's this wonderful display of it is all about God. It is all about Jesus. It is not about us. It is not about who we are and how we do it and what we do it. It is all about God and the proclamation of this good news to the world around us. But he describes this idea of their clay vessels that they are. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us with Jesus and present present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace... That is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
for our light in momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This struggle that we have, this 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 intersection where we live it is, is this place, but it, you, you don't get to life and you don't get to feeling the sense of God without choosing to get in that spot. Because indeed we are in these earthen vessels and we are weak and we are frail. But we choose to move into a place where our reliance is upon God and His power in our lives. I love this idea that he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You remember a few weeks ago I talked to you about, talked to you about the idea of this triumphal entry and, and, and we talked about this idea of, of this processional of, of how this thing was all lined out and the order that came in the Roman processional and, and, and Paul is again alluding to that concept and they would come with, with huge jars full of gold and silver and all the things that they had, and they would hold these most precious things in these vessels of fragile clay. And, and, and Paul is making this reference to say, we have this, this glorious, wonderful treasure within us held around by these very fragile clay jars that are us. But we trust in God. We rely on Him. It is all about Jesus in all that we do. But how do you live there? How do you stay in that intersection and not wander off? Let me tell you, it is very easy to wander off. Let me tell you, I'm just, I think it talks to us about at least four things in this passage that help us in that way. I think the first thing we have to understand is that, that God's presence changes us, not necessarily our circumstances. God's presence changes us, not necessarily our circumstances. I, I like that in verse 16, he, he has this idea where he says, Though our outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. There is this sense in which... God does something within us that transforms us, that changes us. And, and, and Paul describes how that's lived out in these verses up at the front. I've got to get my glasses back on, sorry. In verse 8, he talks about this idea that, that we are hard-pressed but not crushed. This idea of hard-pressed is this idea of, of having people crowd in around you. It's this, this idea. We, we'd say today, we're stressed. That's, that's what we would say. I'm just stressed out. That would be the word we'd use. But, but Paul uses this word that alludes to this idea. People are pushing in on me. People are on all sides of me. And, I, I, and, I, and I'm just pressed in by this stuff. But he's saying, in spite of that, I understand that I'm getting pushed on here. But, but I am not crushed because God's sufficiency is at work in my life. He, he says this idea. He says, I'm perplexed but not in despair. This idea of perplexed has the concept behind it of, of someone who says, I don't know the way out. I don't know how to get out of here. 
I, I feel lost. Have you ever, I mean, all the words he describes here just talks about someone who is, who is stressed out, who is under massive emotional stress. He says, I, I don't know how to get out of here. I'm at a total loss. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to go. I, I've got questions in my head. I've got stuff going around in me. I don't know where to go, but, but this is what I know. Even though I don't understand all the stuff that's going on, because of the sufficiency of God in my life, I will not despair. I will not despair. He says he was persecuted but not abandoned. This idea of persecuted is the idea of someone who is being followed. I'm, I'm being hounded. I'm being chased. I'm being sought after. I, people are after me at all points. I, it, it's one of those kinds of things. But he says, in the midst of all that, I know that God's presence is with me. You know, I've told you some of my stories, this sense of, of just despair at times in my life, but I could not get away from the fact that I knew that God was with me. I knew that his love was never changed and I knew that, and I clung to that fact. And he's saying that, he said, I'm persecuted, I, I, I'm, I'm being pursued, I'm, I'm being chased after, but I know, God, that I am not abandoned. This is Paul. He's faced stuff. Uh, I mean, he's been in prison. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I mean, he, he has faced stuff. This is not just a, a hypothetical kind of, oh, I've gone through some stuff. No, this is the guy who's, he's been beaten and he's been stoned and he's been shipwrecked and he's been a persecuted and he's, he's had troubles from outside and troubles from inside, troubles from his countrymen and troubles from uh, foreigners. He, he's had all this stuff going on with him. And yet he says, I know that God has not abandoned me. His presence and his power and his presence is sufficient for me. He says, I'm struck down, but not destroyed. Struck down, but not destroyed. Well, just flip over with me. Second Corinthians, just go over a few chapters or, and get over to Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. He, he, he just says it. Let, let me just read this to you. This is a guy. Anybody want to go into the ministry? I mean, this is it. Uh, no, maybe not. I don't know. <clears throat> Here, where we are. Verse 24. He says this. Five times I received from the Jews 40 my lashes minus one. That, that is to say, 40 was too much. 40 was inhumane. It was cruel. Uh, they thought 40 would kill you. 39 just made you feel really rotten. So he'd had five times 39 lashes. I, I don't know. That, that's crazy. Three, can you be five Times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three, to, or three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the country, dangers at sea, and dangers from false brothers. Guess what, folks? You know, we just talked about the Corinthians. I wonder if they read their names in here because they probably should have. From false brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of my concern for all the churches. This is Paul. He has a heart and passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the churches of Christ. And, and he is working at those things. And he's saying, yeah, I've been struck down. I've been beaten up a few times. But I tell you what, 
I've not been destroyed. Jesus said, don't fear those who can destroy the body. Fear those who can destroy the soul. And, 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 and Paul is saying this. He's saying, I, I've been beaten. I've been abused. And he's going to get on to say, we're, we give it up for dead. But, but I tell you what, you will not destroy me. You will not destroy my heart because the power of God is at work within. And folks, when we face the tough stuff of life, those same things are true for us. When we stand tall for the things of Christ and, and people don't understand that, it is the same for us. Our circumstances may not change. We, we, you know, you, you understand this. <laughs> you understand that all of the apostles were martyred with the exception of John. You get this. All of the apostles were martyred. I, I, you know, I'm just telling you, there are people all around the world every day that are martyred for their faith. We have a very comfortable existence here in the United States. People may badmouth us. People may, may talk negatively about you, call you names or whatever. But I'm telling you what, you're not dying. You haven't shed any blood yet. You'll go to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews says, you know, well, you haven't shed any blood yet. Get over it. And, and, but there are people all around the world that are. What was the verse we just read? Romans. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He's not talking about it. Well, it's all going to be good now that I love Jesus. No, no problems, no difficulties, no troubles. But you see, there's something bigger going on inside of us than what's going on outside of us. And sometimes we lose sight of those things. Amen? Me too. You see, because the sufficiency and power of God is at work in these difficult situations we find ourselves in, we choose Him. And though our circumstances may not change, we're being changed, we're being renewed. We are más que vencedores, as they say, more than conquerors, because of Christ who loves us. That's the first thing. Just get that firmly planted in your head. Second thing is this, that we live as dead people. We live as dead people. I went to a, years ago, went to a revival and. I think it was Bob Huffaker. I think he was the one. He, he was always saying kind of bizarre things. He said, we need more dead churches. We need more dead churches. And, you know, half of those are sitting around going, you know, I think we already got that. <laughs> he said, no, you don't understand. We need really dead churches. We need more churches where people have died to themselves and made alive under Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he said this, he said, you know, dead people, they don't care what color the carpet is. They don't care what color the paint is. They don't care if somebody sat in their seat. They don't care about the music. They don't care about this or that and the other thing because they're dead. 
All they care about is Jesus Christ of lifting his name high and seeing him exalted and seeing people come to know him in a, in a wonderful, glorious relationship with him. The dead people don't care about all that other stuff. That's how you know if you're dead or not. I'm just saying it. How much time do you spend thinking about you and your stuff and the way you want it and the way you like it and the way it's got to be or else? How much time do you spend thinking about how can I better lift up the name of Jesus? How can I better see people come to know Jesus Christ in a saving relationship? How can I be a part of this baptismal thing that, that changes lives and proclaims the declaration that we're different? We're not the same people we used to be. We're, we've been made new. And just think about all the passages of Scripture that we talk about in this. Jesus says, you must take up your cross daily and die. You've you got to do that daily. I mean, what happens? You crawl right off that cross if you don't do that daily. If you don't daily get up and say, I'm dead. I'm not going anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with me. You've got to say that daily. What Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life I live, I live by faith. Paul says here in Corinthians, he goes on to talk about this idea that he says, we always carry around in our body, verse 10, Always carry around in our body the death of Christ. This is so good. This is so good. Verse 10. Is that up there? No? Okay. I always carry around in, in my body. I better read that. I'm going to mess it up. I, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Get this. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. Do you want to see Jesus really revealed in your life? Do you really want to see him go and, and be, be the kind of person that says, man, people see Jesus in me? Guess what it takes? You've got to embrace death. Those, those things go together. You don't get life without death. You don't get this glorious presentation of the life of Jesus Christ in your life without this amazing sacrificial sense of I have died to myself that I might live unto Christ. Those things go together, people. You get that? He just keeps going. It says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. We have to live as dead people. I know that's the most bizarre statement, but we have to live as dead people. And and this isn't this isn't and this is for the sake of Christ. This this isn't this isn't just this. You know, I'm getting abused because I've got a cranky personality. I mean, it's it's not that. I, this is because of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm going to live as a dead person. I'm going to choose him. I'm going to choose his way. I'm going to choose to lift him up. I'm going to choose to keep him before me above all my own self. 
You want to live in the in the victory of this intersection between the all sufficient power of Christ and our troubles. That's part of what it takes. So we just have to say, God, I have I want to die to myself. I, I mean, we got to do that over and over again. I, I want to die to myself. I, I want to live to you. When we live that way, the power of God begins to come and transform who we are. Not necessarily our circumstances again, but who we are on the inside. It, it is our message of holiness, folks. I, just, I, I can't hardly walk away from that. I just, it is the message of holiness. Do you understand this? The message of holiness that, that we die to ourselves that we might live unto Christ. It is, it is His power, the power of the Holy Spirit coming within us that changes us from the inside out. It's dead people. Third thing Paul talks about is this. We've got to understand that God is always at work for our good and his glory. Understand this. I, I've preached on this a lot. I, I probably don't need to say two words more on this. But, but we, we have to understand this, that, that God is always at work for our good and his glory. God works all things together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. You understand this concept. And, and, and you understand that that verse is the beginning of what we read already. You, you get this, 828, and we read 830, 32 or 34 or something like that. It, it is that sense. It is, it is God is always at work for good, and those that love God and call it according to his purposes. And, you know, 12 verses later, it's Paul saying, neither death, nor life, nor powers, nor principalities, demons, angels, nothing, sword, famine, nakedness, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You understand, he's talking about difficulties, struggles, tough stuff happening. This is not, it's not pie in the sky, everything's good. He's talking about God is at work for good, and you know what? Junk happens. And we have to somehow understand that and, and embrace that concept to say, my God is for me and for my good, not for my glorification, but so that he might be glorified. You understand that? Verse 50. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. It's not about me. How many times have I said that? Over the six years, I've been here six years. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It is about Jesus Christ and the work that he is doing for his glory and for his honor, for his advancement, not for ours. God is always at work for our good in his glory. Fourth thing is this. We have fixed our eyes on things that endure. If we're gonna if we're gonna live in this mindset, if we're gonna if we're gonna live at this intersection, we've we've got to fix our eyes on things that endure. And Paul says that over and over again. So our light and momentary the troubles are achieving for us this eternal glory that far away them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. 
but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. There is this this sense that if we were going to live in this place where we are not going to lose heart because we are focused on the power of God and his work, we've got to fix our eyes on things that endure, not, not on the physical stuff of this life, but on things that last forever, things that have an eternal value. You know, we, uh, we live in an age where we talk a lot about, you know, breaking Christ down to earth and, and we're going to make a difference in our world and we're going to do all that stuff and we need to and we must and we have to all do all that stuff. But, but I got to just tell you, if that's all we're focused on, we're going to miss something. You know, the old phrase used to be, that person is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You all remember that one, yes? Can I just tell you that this opposite of that is true sometimes? They're so earthly minded that they're not fit for heaven. There, 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 there is this, this sense of which we, we, we need to always keep our minds on the fact that we are but passing through. We are but aliens and strangers in this life, in this world, and we are passing through this season into an eternity with God. And if we lose sight of that eternity with God, we begin to focus on things here that really don't have eternal value. Mostly when we focus on ourselves. But Paul reminds the Corinthians and he reminds us if we're going to live in that place where We are not going to lose heart because we're relying on the all-sufficient power of God within us. We've got to keep our mind and our eyes focused on things that endure, on things eternal. What's true for Paul is true for me. And it's true for you. This business of the gospel. (laughs) Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Just proclaiming Jesus over and over again. It's just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That, That is it, folks. It's just that simple. We just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that glorious message, we hold it in these fragile bodies and minds and emotions called us. But we understand God is doing something within us. We understand that we're going to live as dead people. We understand that we're going to focus on things eternal. As God is at work, our good and his glory. I don't have a good way to finish this. Because I've got too many things I want to say to you. 
But I want to say to you, we will not lose heart. Whatever your circumstance is, you're there not by accident. You are there as a representative of Jesus Christ in that place. That's not always easy. But we will not lose heart. Whatever you're going through, whatever you are experiencing, you've got to choose to live at that intersection. And that's, those are hard choices. But we choose that. We choose that. For you see, we live in this environment of diversity and struggles and pressures and opinions and diverse thoughts on all kinds of things. It's just life. But there's only one thing that matters, ultimately, and it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, lifted high. Jesus Christ, all-sufficient for every circumstance. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you need that all-sufficient power of Christ to come to your earthen vessel, (laughs) your jar of clay, you just say a little prayer along with me. God, that's me. I need you. Father, I don't really get all of this. I know that I'm a, a jar of clay. And as some comedian, I think, has said somewhere, I'm just a crackpot. <laughs> I'm just a cracked pot trying to carry about this glorious truth of hope in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, I pray for my people here. Lord, would you minister to them right now? Some of them are feeling hard-pressed. Some of them are perplexed. Some of them are struggling and struck down. But we choose you. We choose you and your transformation within We choose death that we might live. We choose trust in your good work in us for your glory. And we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, on things that endure. The Lord Jesus, minister as only you can. Be honored and glorified in all that we are. We pray in Jesus' name.